0: From Capital Analytics, I'm Abby Maloney, and this is Invest Insights. Every week, we bring you perspectives, business advice, and more from the leading executives, entrepreneurs, and investors who are building, diversifying, and leading the way in the country's fastest growing metro markets. Real leaders, real insights, right now. I'm joined today by Matt Smith, the president of the Greater Pittsburgh Chamber of Commerce. Matt, thank you for being here today.
1: Great to be with you.
0: You served in the Pennsylvania State Senate as well as the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. While in the house you were the minority subcommittee chair on economic impact and infrastructure. In what ways does your past experience influence your goals and expectations surrounding the recent infrastructure package and its impact on the greater Pittsburgh region?
1: Yeah well it's great to be with you today Abby and, and I think it informs quite a bit how we approach our work and so as you mentioned, the Infrastructure and Jobs Act was a historic piece of legislation uh, from our friends in Washington, DC. And, and we worked very hard over the last year or so in the Pittsburgh region to make sure that we, um, as we call it, with as one region with one voice. And we think that only makes our argument all the stronger in Washington, DC, when we're down there fighting for the infrastructure dollars that are going to come out, both in the context of the formula fund that's being pushed out you know, through, through existing channels, but also even more importantly, I think in the discretionary grant funding uh, space. And so we're working really hard on that. And I think my experience uh, from being in the legislature and, and as you noted, serving in a leadership role as it relates specifically to infrastructure, is helpful because at that time, uh, we worked quite a bit on state-level funding. Um, Act 89 is a big piece of legislation in Pennsylvania that was passed while I was in the legislature. And the real cornerstone of Act 89 was the bipartisan uh, support that it enjoyed. So I was on the Democratic side of the aisle. I worked a lot with my friends on the Republican side of the aisle to to build support for that legislation. We also worked uh, quite a bit of time in bridging the the gap, building bridges, if you will, between the labor community and the business community. And I think that experience has really served us well as we focus on the federal investment because that same coalition building is going to be necessary to maximize the Pittsburgh region's opportunities in this space
0: politics are very divisive nowadays, but infrastructure seems to be a bipartisan issue that we can agree on. How did that play out in the state of Pennsylvania?
1: Well, it translated really directly. Um, At the time, Pennsylvania was at the top of every list for structurally deficient infrastructure. So you name uh, the area of infrastructure, bridge infrastructure, road infrastructure, waterways infrastructure, Uh, Pennsylvania was really at the bottom of every list. And so what Act 89 did, and and it it sort of laid the foundation, if you will, for what we're doing now at the federal level. And what Act 89 did was allow Pennsylvania to really think over a longer term horizon at our infrastructure needs and and make plans that would not only go year to year, but would be multi-year investments that would actually add capacity fix some of the long-standing structurally deficient um, capital maintenance projects that that existed at the time. The other thing it did that was really critical, particularly for the business community, is Act 89 um, and the the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act provides significant investment for public transportation. And uh, in our region at the time that Act 89 was passed at the state level, there was a significant need for that sort of public transit investment For the same reason. At the time, the Port Authority of Allegheny County was really on a year-to-year basis and just kind of moving to the next year with the bare minimum investment. What Act 89 did was allow our transit agencies throughout Pennsylvania to make those longer-term investments and longer-term strategic plans that are so critical for not only the business community from, from our vantage point, but for the entire region um, and to make sure that people can get the work, make sure people can take advantage of, of job opportunities. And, and so that public transit investment was really uh, very critical in Pennsylvania at the time and is, is similarly very critical in this federal investment that we've seen over the last uh, couple of months. Just the pandemic and the Ukrainian Russian war have exposed vulnerabilities
0: of the global supply chain. How is the U.S. supply chain adapting and innovating to reduce exposure risks? And how is Pittsburgh poised to benefit from those changes?
1: Yeah, in Pittsburgh, companies are working to future-proof what I would say the supply chain to increase resiliency um, and make sure that any external disruptions have as, as little impact as possible on their operations. So from... Driverless vehicles to to robotics innovations in this region. You know we're really at the forefront of how we can create a very narrow, if you will, supply chain for our region to succeed. And those are the you know the big ones that I mentioned. You know we've got Wabtec um, in this w- region working to transition from diesel electric locomotives to battery electric locomotives uh, to reduce dependence. Um, on foreign energy and and we think that's one of the keys to our success uh, not only as a nation but as a region how do we use our uh, energy reserves here such as natural gas in a way that maximizes uh, job opportunities and economic growth and and equity in this region another example i think that that's a really good one is at pittsburgh international airport uh, neighborhood 91 is a complete uh, manufacturing and transportation ecosystem for additive manufacturing and uh, it's ready to serve i think as a reshoring model uh, because it's strategically located uh, right near the airport for ease of distribution when air cargo is required for shipping building out and, and enabling more domestic manufacturing it's bringing products closer to u.s businesses and customers. Um, and we think that, you know, very unique model where the supply chain is essentially located uh, in one space is is a really good example of how the country can develop homegrown additive manufacturing, homegrown energy sources. And, and we think Pittsburgh and, and that particular project at Pittsburgh National Airport can be a real model for shortening those supply chain difficulties.
0: Pittsburgh Region is known for exceptional public-private partnerships. In what ways do you hope to see further creativity in partnership and collaboration among the public and private sectors to better address the challenges and opportunities facing the region?
1: Well, I think that you know, really goes to the heart of our organization. Um, you know, we always um, say that you know there, there are problems that are really large in the country and the region, and you know neither the private nor the public sector uh, can solve them um, on their own. And so we view our role as an organization in being one that convenes both our private sector stakeholders. So you know all of the biggest employers in the Pittsburgh region. Uh, together with our public sector leaders, like our county executive Rich Fitzgerald, our mayor uh, Ed Gainey, uh, the governor, U.S. senators, and and you know on down the line, and you know we think that that is really at the nexus of what the secret sauce is really for the Pittsburgh region because we historically, as an organization, have brought those stakeholders together to fix the really intractable problems. Our our uh, organization, the Allegheny Conference on community development was actually created more than 75 years ago um, by Richard King Mellon, who at the time was uh, a businessman in the city, and Mayor David Lawrence, and and the problem that they sought to solve uh, was air and water quality in the Pittsburgh region. And so, you know, when we're talking about how we maximize our autonomous mobile system sector. Um, how we make sure that we continue to grow our uh, very vibrant robotic sector? You know how do we use our energy assets? that that those um, opportunities are really going to require significant public-private collaboration. and And we think we're really well positioned for that. not only as an organization, but as a region, uh, given the breadth of of success that we've had in that area working across, uh, our foundations and philanthropic community is, is is a great example, and so you know that to me really goes to the heart of the secret sauce, and it's it's making sure that those public and private sectors are swimming in the same direction and working together. Um, and as I said earlier, is as frequently as possible speaking as one with one voice for one region, and and we think that's uh, a you know, really critical objective if we want to maximize uh, this region's potential.
0: At This season is about creativity, and you just gave us some great observations on how the greater Pittsburgh region is incorporating creativity to be more competitive. However, let's look inward. What are some of unique ways that you are fostering creative thinking across your organization moving forward?
1: Yeah, I think one of the big ways that we always um, go to is you know, we're creating coalitions and campaigns on the fly. And so when, when we look at a specific issue that we want to tackle uh, from the public policy side, let's say, for example, reducing the state's corporate net income tax, we figure out ways on that specific to stand up a coalition, stand up a campaign, and you know work with those coalition stakeholders to, to move that issue forward. So from our perspective, um, creativity and innovation is sort of at the heart of what we need to do on the political side of our work, because you know not every issue is going to be the same. Not every coalition is going to look the same. And so we have to be very nimble and creative in creating the coalitions. Working with our marketing and communications team is, is absolutely critical to make sure our messaging is the most impactful as possible on various issues. Um, and then maintaining those coalitions is something that's really vital and so for me you know that that involves a lot of creativity and it, in, it involves thinking about an issue um you know it, again going back to the corporate net income tax rate you know, that may be an issue that obviously is something that affects corporations affects the business community but we really try to look at how it affects pennsylvania as a whole and it's not something that just affects um the business community but it rather is something that affects our ability um, and in, negatively impacts our ability to attract and retain talent, to grow our population, to make sure that opportunities are provided um, across the region in a very equitable manner. And so, you know, when we look at those issues, we we look at them with a with an eye towards being creative in figuring out, you know, not just the obvious impacts of those issues, but the less obvious impacts because frequently those um, stakeholders can carry a very powerful message because they're not ordinarily, they're not the ones that automatically pop into mind. So I think that's a really uh, critical space for creativity.
0: You've been listening to Invest Insights. Be sure to follow, rate, and review this podcast to hear more. I'm Abby Malone. Thank you for tuning in.